This is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis from Providence Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Paul, Garrett, and Bruce provide their clients and prospects the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Making Finances Easier with Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, and Bruce Landis. Hello, everyone. Uh, Paul Cochran here. I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Garrett Crawford. Hey, Garrett. How's it going? Providence Advisors Group. We are a multidisciplinary financial planning firm here at Pellissippi in Westland. And uh, Making Finances Easier is the name of our show, 865-770-5031. If something we say triggers some interest, uh, feel free to give us a call, and uh, we'll look forward to, uh, to chatting with you. Garrett, let's start with a trivia question. So Shoot. what would have been in middle school uh, your most you know, refreshing drink uh, to look forward to middle school or high school versus now, what's your, you know, your, uh, the refreshing drink that you'd look forward to? Okay. Um, middle school, I, you know, I grew up in the 90s, early 2000s, and uh, I was laughing the other day. I forget what sporting event I was in, but I was talking to my brother. Maybe we were at a swim meet. And I said, you remember we used to get finished with our baseball games? And they'd say, congratulations, kid. Go over to the concession stands and grab you a Pepsi. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't. I doubt little, league, uh, little leagues across the country are sending their kids to drink a Pepsi after their sporting event. But um, I, you know, I as a kid, I... I remember being out in the ball diamond in the middle of the summer and there was nothing better than when your mom or dad splurged and gave you a dollar so that you could go buy an ice cold Gatorade and uh, you'd be, I, I played third base and remember you'd be sweating over there and you'd be thinking about that cold Gatorade in the dugout that you got to go drink. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, I used to have a favorite flavor Gatorade called fierce melon. Uh, <laughs> And uh, one time I drank it so much during ball season, I threw it up and I taste a version of fierce melon for a long time. But, but I went through so many fierce melon Gatorades. Uh, I, uh, I, I wouldn't think of anything other than baseball season if I had that in front of me. But then uh, these days I'm, I'm a lot less exciting on my drinks. I, I basically drink two and a half things. Uh, I drink black coffee and I drink water. And the half is uh, sometimes I'll splurge and I'll drink carbonated water. Uh, but I really, uh, I had a, a sip of Gatorade the other day, but uh, water and coffee make me happy and that's enough for me. What about you, Paul? I hear you. Well, I think uh, I remember, you know, back uh, in the 60s, um, Coke came in those glass bottles. And so to have a Coke was like a huge treat. You know, we just didn't. My parents didn't, you know, we didn't have a lot of money, and they didn't sure didn't spend a lot of money on junk food and sodas, you know. But, you know, there'd be times like uh, um, I can remember visiting my relatives in Mississippi and walking over after we, you know, did some work. They gave us some, some quarters or whatever, and us going and getting, um, you know, a drink. And then somewhere in there, 
I discovered Mountain Dew and thought, where have I been all my life? This I was is never amazing. a Mountain Dew fan. Did this not is amazing. Like it. I thought, wow. This is, is that a, true? It's a Knoxville drink. Have you heard that before? I, yeah, I don't know. I thought I, I heard know. that somewhere, that the flavor originated somewhere in the Appalachian Mountain. We'll have to look it up later. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I thought that was just amazing. Um, <clears throat> but nowadays, uh, you know, gosh, I don't drink sodas anymore. Um I'm like you. I love my coffee in the morning. I've got a routine that I uh, get in my cup of coffee in the morning and reading is, is gosh, a treasured routine. But, uh, you know, probably my favorite in the evening is, uh, or for dinner or whatever, is uh, I do drink a lot of water for sure. And usually it's electrolytes because I'm cycling a lot and I'm burning off a lot of uh, sweat. But I really like that Topo Chico, that carbonated water, that Topo yeah. Chico. I I uh, a good cold Topo Chico on a summer day for me is really good. I the other day at Costco I picked up the the one with the lime in it, and that's not bad either. I probably like the plain a little better, but the lime was all they had, so that was kind of fun. Yeah, I just looked it up while we were talking, Paul. The original formula for Mountain Dew was invented in the 1940s by Tennessee beverage bottlers Barney and Allie Hartman, and was first marketed in Marion, Virginia. Knoxville, Tennessee, and Johnson, Tennessee. How about that? So, how about uh, that? Boy, that was a. Uh, it wasn't that, not that long ago, but anyway, yeah, uh, interesting. Okay, well, first, let me. Um, I made a mistake uh, last week. You know, we try to be as, as accurate as we can. That's the first one you've made in your life, <laughs> isn't it, Paul? <laughs> I wish. Okay, so, so I had made the com the comment about. Um, uh, some of the impacts of inflation and we were talking about real estate and I talked about how housing starts were down well the next day I got the May stats and the May stats for housing starts were out the roof they were so high so um, in January they were down uh, February they'd gone up a little bit they had gone down in March and then gone down as low as they as they've been in a you know a couple, at least a year or more in April, but then in uh, May they those housing starts shot up. Um, so the explanation that I heard when I in what I was reading had more to do with the fact that there was a housing there was such a housing shortage that nobody wanted to sell their house and not have a place to go and and. Uh, uh, and so a lot of people were just, you know, uh, building new places, buying property and building houses. And so um, how, uh, building new houses was really uh, actually picking up. Um, but still, the the real estate market is, is still struggles with those high interest rates. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that correction. So today we're going to talk about something a little bit obscure, but it, I bet it, I bet other people might uh, resonate with this a little bit, and that maybe they've had some exposure to this. But way back, uh, maybe it was the early '90s. Did you see a date on those? Yeah, it was a year before Eva was born, 1990. Okay, so my After. my mom, uh, who who just recently died, actually she died in March of this year, March 20th. Um, she bought, it was probably $150. One was 100 the other one was $50. Uh, uh, a particular type of bond that you can talk about in a minute 
it's an EE bond. Um, but so she buys this thing, uh, you know, not knowing uh, that this was before I was even in the industry. In fact, I was overseas at the time. Sandy and I were in Christian ministry overseas. I didn't even know she did this. So one was a hundred bucks, another one was fifty bucks, and and so uh, you know, mom was a was a client of ours, and um, um, and of course the the transition out of our assets has been you know pretty easy because we had done all that we tell our listeners to do, yeah. and so it was it was pretty easy. But the other day in some papers, I found the the photocopy of these these two little bonds that I didn't even know existed. So I know you were on the phone the other day and I laid that photocopy on your desk and said, Hey, I found this in mom's papers. And, uh, so, so what happened from that? Yeah. So you put them on my desk and said you had found them and, uh, and they were in Eva's name, your wife's name. Yeah. In her maiden name. Uh, so it said Eva Cochran on it. And uh, it took me a second, uh, you know, even figure out what I was looking at. But I saw the double E in the top right, and I, you know, I'd come across it. But uh, Series EE saving bonds are just a low risk way to save money. I think it's probably pop- more popular in your mom's lifetime than they are now. And EE bonds earn interest regularly for thirty years, or you can cash them out before that if you want to. But uh, for EE bonds you buy now, the U.S. Treasury will guarantee that that bond will double in 20 years. And so uh, there actually can be a use case for EE bonds even today. People can uh, build like income ladders with them. If they're getting close to retirement, they can kind of build their own annuity. Uh, That's another conversation for another day. But anyway, uh, it was kind of, it just felt like a little moment. real life example that I thought would be fun to talk about and kind of what transpired just because we'll tell clients, you know, uh, just having a bunch of pieces of paper laying around the house. Uh, my first question when I saw the photocopy was, are these even real or not? Uh, what can I do with a photocopy? And, uh, you know, And, and what we find, sorry to interrupt you, but it seems like in our business, we often, you know, we'll, we'll make digital copies of things, but there are some things a digital copy doesn't cut it. Yeah, sure. And th- I think this would be one. So really what I did, uh, Paul left, he dropped him off in the office. We didn't really have the time to talk about it, but uh, my wife and I, we use a bank real close here to the office. And so I just walked in and I thought, well, maybe they have some system on there and where they can type in, you know, the serial number on the bond and they can figure out if it's real or not. But I walked in and I said, hey, <laughs> uh, I've got these, I've got this photocopy. I don't think that this will do anything, but I just wanted to double check before I uh, started doing some more research. Uh, can you do anything with this photocopy? Can you tell me whether it's real or not? And uh, the bank is a place you can go to cash in EE bonds. But she said, no, without the original bond certificate, there's there's nothing we can do here. Uh, and so I I left the the bank and I, I drove home and I gave them to my wife, Eva. And I said, here's what I think you need to do. Uh, you If you have some time this afternoon and, you know, granted, too, it's we've got kids and there's $50 and $100 bonds. And we really want to spend uh, a couple weeks going back and forth right. with the treasury direct trying to you know run this down my hunch is maybe they're not maybe they were already taken care of but i'll get to that in a second um but 
I basically found that maybe uh, the best place to start is to call U.S. Treasury Direct. And if you've been in tune to the market the past couple of years, I-bonds were in the news. And in order for you to buy an I-bond, there are probably more listeners out there now that know what U.S. Treasury Direct.gov, the website is, because they bought an I-bond on that website. Right. And... Uh, but the recommendation is basically call U.S. Treasury Direct, and they can help you determine if that bond is still real, if it's been cashed in. And uh, Eva texted me back later that day, and she said, I'm on 45 minutes of hold with U.S. Treasury Direct. Uh, I'll let you know if somebody picks up. And there's a, there's a number on the bond? There is a, there's, a, there's actually quite a few numbers, and I haven't learned what all those numbers stand for, but there's, uh, there's a, a definite serial number ish looking number in the bottom right hand corner that I'm presuming is the serial number. Uh, but anyway, Eva finally got connected with the U.S. Treasury Direct, and uh, Eva said initially, you know, the customer service wasn't like the Ritz Carlton. <laughs> it was almost like, why are you calling? What do you want? Almost trying to just get you off. How'd you get this number? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, and it felt like akin to telling my wife to call the IRS, and in uh, my mind, the U.S. Treasury joy, Direct joy. is something like the IRS. Yeah. But she said after she kind of explained the story this was my grandmother she recently died she said the lady got a lot kinder uh after she knew the circumstances involved and basically they said well you need to download this form and you know go to this website Uh, and eva said well hold on just a second before you hang up do you mind if i go find those forms first just to see if i have any questions because i was on hold for close to an hour uh i'd hate to have to sit there and do that again and so the lady kind of was patient with her and uh had her go through the form anyway i think it was like a 10-page form and basically uh, even knowing the serial number, I, I'm assuming that the form had to do with proving her identity. Her, she was a Cochran then. Now she's a Crawford. Maybe a marriage license, stuff like that. Yeah. I, well, she, my wife had to go find our marriage license, and uh, we had put another picture over. Oh, Sandy told me that story. Yeah. Tell, tell that story uh, real quick. So we couldn't find our marriage license, and we got married ten years ago. So not that long. We're pretty organized, but we couldn't find it in our papers. And uh, after about 20 minutes, Eva asked me to get involved. And I was like, you know, I don't know if this is actually worth it uh, for the $100 bond. And uh, so I said, why don't you, let's just table it for today. We'll come back to it, which I feel like a lot of people are going to do at that point. Yep. It's $100. We're, yeah, we'll come back to it. But uh, she stuck with it. And uh, she came down and said, Garrett, 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 I found it. And I was like, where did you find it? She said, you know, years ago, I put a picture frame up in Miles' room and uh, I just put the picture over a marriage certificate <laughs> because I had it framed. <laughs> so sure enough, she opened up the 8 by 10 or whatever it was. And there was our marriage certificate hiding behind a, a picture in my son's room. Uh, so we find that uh, through like obstacle two. So she's got a marriage certificate. She's got to get a notary form. Long story. She has to go through all this paperwork uh, before the Treasury Direct will even tell us if it's a real bond or not. Wow. So she has to prove who she is wow. before they'll they'll tell her. And they could have easily just typed in the, the serial number and said, yes, this is active or not. But they wouldn't do that until we get all this stuff notarized, right, sent right, off to right. them. And uh, then... Uh, so that's kind of where we're at now. The lady on the phone said, you know, because they're made out to you, is this to Eva M. Cochran, uh, there's a good chance that nobody could have cashed those 
since it's made out to you. So Correct. unless you you remember cashing those out, they're probably real. So uh, those things are issued. A double E bond is issued to uh, either an individual or a corporation, some some entity. Yeah, and so it, it's uh, it's to Eva. I think like you're the backup something if something were to happen to Eva, yeah. that you're like the backup contingent person on there. Yeah. But anyway, that that's kind of where we're at. We have to get this form notarized. We send it off, and you know, it, it, I guess it's better than a hundred dollars. The hundred dollars, I the Treasury Direct had a website where I could type in the serial number, when it was bought, all that stuff was on the bond. And so what did that, what did that tell you? I mean, I, what, what's it worth now? Yeah. And what 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 if you looked at what you bought it for and what it's worth now? What was the rate of return? What what did you learn about that? So the hundred dollar bond, because it's been more than twenty years, has doubled. So it's now worth at least two hundred dollars. And when I typed it into the uh, U.S. Treasury Direct calculator, it now says that it has a value of two hundred and seven dollars and thirty six cents. Okay. Uh, so what what are we talking here? Nineteen. This was 1991 to 2023, so that's 23 plus 9, 32 years. Wow. Uh, so 32 years, and it's uh, that's two percent less, less than two percent. Yeah, double, doubled uh, plus seven dollars, and the fifty dollar bond, or yeah, I guess it was the fifty dollar bond is now worth a hundred and three dollars and sixty eight cents. And so, I uh, before we got on the radio show, and Paul and I had the idea to talk about this. It basically came out to be. Uh, over those 32 years, a 2.1% internal rate of return on those bonds. So I thought, uh, you know, that's kind of a long story, but uh, there's there's one part of this where I think the lesson is, you know, maybe you're curious, maybe you've run into that before, you've had to turn in a bond, maybe you can use that story to help get you where you're going. But there's a bigger lesson there that for our clients as they age for stuff that is in existence or non-existence uh and we you know we have people that are more wired to keep every single monthly statement they ever get from td ameritrade and just throw it in a drawer and we have to kind of coach them through that on why that may not be helpful while they think they're doing the right thing by keeping it but uh just having a bunch of papers around the house can be confusing for beneficiaries. So here, you know, your mom passed and we, we you know, 99% of it was all taken care of. There's still these loose things that you find in a cupboard or a drawer and you're just left thinking, is this a real thing or is it not? And so even I are going to, you know, put a couple hours into this. And if we, if I wasn't into what I was doing, uh, I'm sure I wouldn't even mess yeah, with it. Let, let's talk about that for a second. So I, I see this a lot. And uh, particularly, I know when I first got into this industry back in the early 1990s, I was working with a lot of uh, what we now, uh, well, even then we called it the greatest generation, you know, people that were born, um, you know, in, in the, the, the 20s, uh, in the, the teens and the 20s. They, they fought in World War II, um, and, you know, they were there. Uh, kids, um, well, it was really the end of it was kind of the, the, the start of the baby boomers. But but uh, most of those people who had lived through the Depression had this um, this scarcity mindset. Oh, it was um, so ingrained into them to keep everything. So like my dad grew up on poor uh, in a farm in southeast Mississippi. And uh, fortunately, he had an engineer's mind, and so he, 
you know, when something broke on the farm, they had a, you know, a crowbar and a screwdriver, you know, and everything had to be fixed with that crowbar and a screwdriver. <laughs> so you had to get creative and they, you know, they just didn't have any money. And uh, I remember, you know, my friends would, would uh, go hunting and, uh, and I, you know, dad, you ever thought about going hunting? You know, you ever into that? And uh, he said, yeah, I, I used to hunt, <laughs> but now I can go to the store and buy my food. <laughs> and so he remembered hunting when he had to hunt. Yeah. And so it kind of, it wasn't fun anymore. He, he'd, he'd much rather just go down to the store and buy it. And so um, all that to say is uh, early on, I saw this, so many people keeping every scrap of paper and you listeners you know who you are yeah and I, I would even add to that living through the depression obviously i don't have any experience of that but it affected the way people saved and invested money in the future and so in that generation cds were uh, a lot more common ee yeah. savings bonds were more common because they lived through the depression and saw people lo- you know they lost tremendous right. amounts of money exactly and it's probably why you're you know if you're listening here your your parents probably had cds or savings bonds and maybe they didn't have as many stocks and so what we is they were very we, risk averse we could do another whole topic on this but based on the time that we live in kind of the blinders and blind spots that we have because we treat the world the same today as it was 30 years ago right. when we were growing up. And for that generation, CDs were a big thing. So now we'll, we'll find people in their 60s that are investing in CDs. Why? Because their parents invested in CDs. <laughs> yeah. And for a long time, that wasn't the way to go. Here just recently, CD rates have popped back up. But anytime you, you live and invest in a world that your parents grew up in or listen to parents' advice, you've always got to be changing. And so my, I think my last little point here in this story was is 2.2% uh, on a EE savings bond over 32 years. That's not going to cut it. Uh, yeah, in fact, I just looked it up. The inflation rate, the average inflation rate since 1990, from 1990 to today, has been 2.59%. And so uh, bonds have a place, savings bonds have a place, CDs have a place, cash has a place, but they rarely have a place in long-term investing. And so even this year, it's been a kind of anomaly where we've had, we have one of our safest portfolios, the stable value that's that's paying a little over 4%, even after fees. Uh, you can put your money in a CD and probably get a little bit more than that if you're willing to lock it up. But the uh, uh, stock market has been in this little mini bull market since the beginning of the year. So these people were piling money into uh, conservative high interest rate savings accounts. And if you just took a little risk, you've already outperformed that for the year. Exactly. And so uh, long-term investing, it, don't, don't, don't buy an EE bond for, for yeah. thir- 32 years if that's really for a long-term investment goal. Buy EE bonds. Uh, well, we can talk about it again. You know, you have a specific purpose in mind and you're trying to generate uh, reliable, guaranteed income, but uh, make sure you're investing your money appropriate in each spot. Tax information is 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 really important. So it really is kind of freeing, I think, for a lot of clients for us to just help them winnow out all that extra stuff. Yeah, we, 
I was just going to say a real quick story. We've had clients before that have been manually typing in information from their statements. And it's like, uh, just a quick reminder, you know, that stuff is actually stored online. One of the benefits of working with us is that uh, we know where that stuff is. If something happened to you and your spouse needed help, we could, we could exactly. access it. And so get back more of your own time. 865-770-5031. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Making Finances Easier. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Paul Cochran, Garrett Crawford, or Bruce Landis at Providence Wealth Management. Call 865-770-5031 or visit them online at makingfinanceseasier.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Providence Wealth Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Tennessee. Insurance products and services are offered through Providence Advisors Group, LLC. Providence Advisors Group, LLC, and Providence Wealth Management, LLC, are affiliated companies. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. We are not affiliated with or enforced by the Social Security Administration, the Federal Medicare Program, or any other government agency. Calling this number will direct you to a licensed sales agent.